Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush with you back again after a memorable Thanksgiving week. Uh, Phil, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was uh, tremendous. I was in in Colorado visiting some friends and, and had myself a real good time. Uh, but we got snow there. I suspect where you were, you did not get snow. Not a flake of snow on the beautiful island of Oahu. Uh, but, uh, boy, I say my Thanksgiving itself was kind of boring because I was on a plane. <laughs> but everything leading up to that was quite memorable. So, you know, obviously today's podcast is essentially uh, we're going to be recapping the, uh, a memorable week in Marquette basketball going to the Maui Invitational in the most loaded field that event has ever had and coming out in second place. Would have loved four more points, of course, but, Phil, just a general takeaway first off the bat – I don't know how you can watch that week of Marquette basketball and not be excited about what this team is and can be this season. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about how the Illinois game kind of confirmed, right, the expectations or the performance capability of of Marquette or, you know, or in other words, basically saying, hey, we think we got a, a really good team here. That Illinois game kind of proved it. Boy, Maui was that on steroids. Yeah, yeah, we didn't win all three and take home the Maui Invitational, but um, holy cow, those were some, even in a loss, it was a tremendous performance. And, you know, I, I just took that whole week and I have, like, in the regular season, I have never been more excited about Marquette basketball, right? Like, this, this is just the ultimate, like, this team is going to do great things kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at as well. The I, I said on uh, Twitter after the Purdue game, as far as the how much does this sting scale, honestly, barely even registered, just because I, I think the big picture takeaway from the Maui Invitational is Marquette has confirmed it is a legitimate Final Four and National Championship contender because you, you defeated UCLA, which looks like a pretty good squad. You beat the number one team in the country, the Kansas Jayhawks, who will perennially be a Big 12 contender and a Final Four contender. Only the second time in the regular season Marquette has ever beaten the number one team in the country. And then you took the team that I presume will be the number one team in the country on Monday, Purdue, all the way to the wire, rallied back from... How bad did it get? 12, maybe 15 at some yeah, point? Yeah, it was 15. It was 15 yeah. with 18-27 to go in the second half. And got all the way to within a bucket of tying that game and sent it to overtime. If, if I think if Marquette had another minute or two of basketball, it wins that game. But Marquette's legit, and I, I think it proved that in the uh, in the Maui Invitational. I'm glad it got the chance because that, that first game against UCLA was heart-stopping. I mean, they were yeah. down 10 points at that game, in that game as well, but they battled back. And I think starting with that UCLA game, Marquette showed it can win games even when it isn't at its best, and it could. I think that it more than anything is the result of having an experienced team that is not going to panic when it gets down double digits, and they didn't. Um, and uh, your guy David Joplin had uh, probably his 
first big breakout game of the season. Yeah, well, I, I will say, I if if all six readers still left on Twitter want to go back and look, I did predict that David Joplin would break out against UCLA, and and boy, he sure did, and it was and it was necessary. But not only did did Joplin um, shoot well and play well, but the team. I think the UCLA game was the first time, and we saw it the rest of the week, and I'm very excited for it. Um, but but it showed this team can win all sorts of different ways, right? Like in the Illinois game, it was the Tyler Kolick show, and there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, all right, All American Tyler Kolick's just gonna gonna be gonna be the guy for Marquette." Well, I mean, in the UCLA game, and and even some of the other games, Tyler was, you know by Tyler standards, somewhat quiet, right? And you had you had a great game from, um, you know, uh, Sean Jones who came in and, and kind of got a couple of critical points, got a critical three-point shot in that UCLA game. That was, that Sean Jones three against UCLA late in the game was the ultimate, no, no, yes, kind of, kind of Sean- three. Sean sure picks his spots when it comes to three-pointers. He's got two made threes on the year. Uh, the UCLA game, and he hit a big one in the Illinois game. So, right, right. Uh, he's only hit two all year, but they've, they've both been pretty big ones. Right. So, I mean, and, and you know, so Tyler had nine points. Now, nine assists, which is is very Tyler-like. But, you know, I, like you said, David Joplin produced in, in, the, in the UCLA game. Oso did well in the UCLA game. Um, our best shooting from three of the the entire week, uh, which is, you know, and it was only 32%. Those rims in Maui were just, well, in Oahu, I should say, were, were just awful. Um, yeah, but- the, uh, yeah, that, that, that was definitely true because I think the, as you said, the uh, Maui rims are notoriously soft and a lot of, a lot of friendly rolls on that, those rims, but the rims at the University of Hawaii in Honolulu, Definitely not three point percentage for pretty much everyone all tournament were just was just terrible except for Purdue for one half. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, Purdue unbelievably forty six percent in in the game against us. But um, but I think what I was most excited about with with uh, the UCLA game was the first sign that hey look Marquette can do different things. I mean, Stevie Mitchell was not playing well in that UCLA game. He only got 17 minutes that entire game. But then we played, you know, we played Ben Gold. We went to the to the Golden Bears some. Some Trey Norman got a couple of minutes. Chase Ross got almost 30 minutes, right? Like, so we 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 did some things. Shaka changed up lineups, got different performances. Obviously, obviously David Joplin led the way from a, a, a bucket-getting standpoint. But the team did different things, brought in Sean Jones for, for pace of play. So it's not like we don't have, you know, it does not depend on everyone having a good game all the time. You can have different players not play well and still be successful with this team. And, you know, it's very it's very nice to see Shaka being able to and willing to pull the trigger on, on some of those. It's not like he was going to keep rolling, you know, Stevie Mitchell out there and just say, hey, we, we you know, you got to go play. You got to go play, fella. It was all right. Not your night. Let's let's bring Chase in and and see what he's able to do. Okay, he's doing enough on both ends of the floor. Let's let's keep rolling it out there and, and try different lineups. Um, and and I think the other thing I would say is and and maybe you can tell me this as having been in the gym. 
like I watching it on television, even when Marquette got down 12 in the second half, I never felt panicked. I the team didn't look panicked, right? Like it was it was a uh, okay, not where we want to be, but we've been here before. Let's let's go, you know, let's go get some buckets, let's get some stops and and get a lead here. I don't I don't know. How did that feel to you in person? Yeah, I, I for most of the game I I was feeling like Marquette is the better team if we could just get some shots to fall. Now, I didn't know like the three-point shooting was going to be as quiet all week as it was that night, um, <clears throat> but I did feel like Marquette was better. And But when it was double digits in the second half, I was starting to think, man, am I really going to have to come back tomorrow and watch them play Chaminade? Because I really, really do not want to do that. Um, but I kept thinking, come on, man. I, Market. This team just wants a shot at Kansas, and and they are better. And uh, then the, as they started to chip away in the second half, I'm like, they're going to win the game. But then it got so tight late. It's, then you, you get a three pointer from Sean, and you breathe a huge sigh of relief. Then UCLA on the other end has a chance to win, and then a chance to tie, and it just rims out. And then there was like that big sigh of relief. It's like, whew. Um, but yeah, I guess I I definitely had nerves being there because uh, again, you, you me. Like for all of us fans who traveled out there, we traveled for the opportunity, yeah, to be in Hawaii. But for to see Marquette make a run at winning this thing, and then it's over right away if right. they lose to UCLA. So there was like a, that kind of anxiety. Is like, yeah, well, we still all would have had a great time in Hawaii no matter what. It's like we didn't come here to see them play Chaminade, right? Right. Like that's 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 not what we. It was funny. I actually. Um, I hope I trust that Ben doesn't mind me telling this, but I met ran into Ben Steele from the uh, Journal Sentinel. Oh, cool! And he was talking about, and uh, you know, he, he was you know, as you probably know, media companies, particularly newspapers, television stations, they only have so much money in the budget for travel, right? right. So when you need to go to your bosses and say, "Look, we need to be at this place or this the game." You kind of have to explain why. Maybe you don't have to explain why when it's the Packers, right? But for Marquette basketball, you kind of need to make that pitch. And he made the pitch, as we all would, as followers of Marquette basketball, why you need to be there for this game. And he was like, I really need Marquette to be UCLA because I don't want to have to go back with a story about them playing Chaminade. Uh... And uh, fortunately for fortunately for Ben, he got the story he wanted, and that was the game against Kansas. But, um, but yeah, I think we all felt that as well. Anyone who went out there, we wanted – to be out there for the shot at number one. Yeah. And, well, and so and, there was and, just this it, huge sigh of relief to huge sigh of relief when they got that win against UCLA. It's like, all right, we're going to get the shot that we want tomorrow against Kansas. Yeah. Well, and it almost, to a certain extent, especially in the first half, it almost felt like they were playing tight, right? Like they were playing like we have got to win this game because we don't, you know, we want to have good competition after this or we we want to get that Kansas matchup um so they almost seem to be playing tight um and I'm sure it was also I and I'm gonna have to ask you to pronounce his name but you know Berkey bite see I'm not I don't even know number nine I know who you're talking about who that was his first game playing right so they didn't have a scout on him he's out of Europe um you know I think it was a bit I was I was shocked that he started um, you know, because that that put uh, Mara for, further down on the depth chart, who was a starter previously, a seven three guy, and he only got six minutes, right? So, like, I don't know. I think some of that was UCLA was just doing things that that perhaps Marquette wasn't ready for, simply because there was no game tape to get ready with. 
Yeah, but uh, as, as athletic as Nine is and as good as he might be, he had zero points in the game. So right. they defended him. And now he was maybe a bit of a pest defensively and got his hands up, and he, he definitely had length. But, yeah, he did not have really that much of an impact, really no impact on the game offensively. I mean, to me, even though Mac, he, he was probably the most frustrating one because he got to the free throw line so much and had 25 points, uh, Bono was always yeah. just the fear for me because he's so athletic. He had some real... Uh, you know, energy dunks that would bring the crowd to its feet, and you, you kind of wondered if he might go into full NBA prospect mode and take this game over. Uh, he didn't quite get there, but you were kind of worried that maybe he, he was going to really take it to another level. But uh, you got to credit Oso, and this is kind of a theme all week, um, having to guard – he. He had three different challenges over three different days as far as big men, right? In the first game, he had Bona, who was like – the NBA level athlete, the guy who's most likely going to be a first round pick eventually, who's just uh, just the the freakishly athletic big who could blow by you and get those rim rattling dunks. For the next game, you have Dickinson, who is the finesse guy, the guy who could step out shoot the three, but a guy you could probably abuse a little bit on defense on defense. We'll talk about that when we get to the Kansas game, and then you had the behemoth Zach Eady, who is just a t- completely unique challenge. Not the, He's not athletic, but he is 7'4", and he is just like Godzilla there in the middle. So three different challenges in three different days. Uh, so credit Oso and Gold and the Mar- really the Marquette defense overall for handling those the way they did. But um, they were able to kind of dodge a bullet there against, uh, against UCLA. It was just a matter, kind of like you said, Phil, of just remaining calm no matter what the score was and just trusting that they were the better team and that even though they didn't lead that much in the game, that they trusted that when they hit that 40-minute mark that they were going to be the better team, and thankfully they were. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, L.A. is not that far from Hawaii. Were there a lot of UCLA fans there? Um, I prob- Not that many. I mean, there was a decent amount, probably on par with Marquette. I The, the two crowds that traveled the best were Purdue and Kansas. Uh, they both had huge crowds there. Um, so when their teams were playing, they really kind of filled up their section of the arena. UCLA had fans there, but n- not significantly more than Marquette. I would say I, I would have. I don't know if I have a great count on it, but I did not. I do not remember ever looking up and saying, "Wow, UCLA really traveled." Right. It, it might be. It might have been a thing that I don't. Uh, they didn't think they were going to win this thing, and so maybe that was a deterrent uh, for the UCLA, as opposed to, say, a typical maybe UCLA Final Four team that they've had in other years. Maybe they would have traveled for it, but but not today. I, mean, I would say UCLA and Marquette crowds were about the same, honestly. They, they were pretty close. Okay. Um, All right. Well, that makes sense, but, like, you know, and and I think... You know what's interesting is is I guess the the one, the one play that really stood out to me, um, other than you know just from a from a conversational standpoint, is the Cam Jones being camped out in the lane for approximately six and a half minutes as uh, Bona tried to uh, to make a dunk. It was a thunderous dunk, and somehow uh, Cam Jones got called for a foul, and I'm I'm still scratching my head on that one. Yeah, I guess they really are trying to get rid of the charge, aren't they? Like they're yeah, they're, yeah. they're really trying to phase it out, and I, that that's the only the only answer I have for you there. You know, a, a, a funny thing. I I guess I'm gonna be mixing in personal stories as we go Please, through all these games. Please, I'd, I'd love to hear all the good all the good deeds. Well, like 
you're not getting any juicy, hilarious things, but just funny little things for the week. But so there was um so I didn't get the Mike Marquette booster package, right? So like if you're going to the Maui Invitational, there's a couple ways to go. One is your school's booster package, which is sold through your school. So you attend your school's games uh, and the sessions they're in, but nothing else. And so you would sit. Um, so it, obviously, you know, this was in Honolulu instead of Maui, but the way it worked in Honolulu was, so, you know, there are sessions like the NCAA tournament. So you get this session, so you get two games, your game and then the other one. So if you had the booster package, you sit behind your team's bench for your game, but then you would go to the upper deck and let the other fans come down for that same section for their game. But what I had, so because I didn't get the booster package, I don't have those kind of priority points on the on the donor list um, or the VIP list, so I didn't get those, but I was able to buy the all-tournament package. So I had tickets to every game. So I was sitting on the opposite side of the arena behind the uh, the score the broadcast table, which many of you saw me on television. My phone lit up when I was on TV for that one. Uh, I guess that was the Kansas game when that was. But yeah. anyway, so I was on the opposite side. So I, I, the people sitting around me was just a mixed bag of fans, right? It, there was fans from all teams, including the neutral fans, the local fans who came to the game. Well, there was one guy who was sitting next to me, and um, so there was, a, there was a gap between sessions. There's like a two-and-a-half-hour gap between the two games early that day, so that would have been the Tennessee-Syracuse and then the Gonzaga-Purdue, then there was like a two-and-a-half-hour break. So I walked over to found a bar to like just hang out at and watch the Monday night football game because um, it, it was on at that time. And then I was going to walk back. And so as I was walking back, I recognized like this older gentleman who, I oh, he's the guy sitting next to me. And so I just said, hey, you're sitting next to me at the game. He goes, oh, yeah, do you know where you're going? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just kind of following you. He goes, all right, well, he goes, this is your first time out here? I'm like, uh, yeah, first time in Hawaii. He goes, well, this is my 40th. Like, this oh, is your crap. 40th Maui Invitational? Like, there's only been 40. He goes, that's right. <laughs> so he is. So he and his friends have been to every Maui Invitational. They, they live in, in Maui. Um, okay. He's a big basketball fan, but he's all, he also likes to gamble a little bit. And he tells me uh, as the UCLA game's tipping off, because, you know, we kind of walk back at the same time, get back to our seats. He goes, so you're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, if you want to take the, if you want to give me the points, I'll bet next year's tickets on it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am not betting uh, next year's Maui tickets. First of all, I can't afford it. And second right. of all, I'm not coming back out here to watch Connecticut and Michigan State and North Carolina play. Um, right. Marquette's not going to be in it next year, so I'm not coming back next year. He's like, all right, last chance. And in the end, I'm glad I didn't make that bet because I would have lost and owed this gentleman tickets to next year's Maui Invitational, which I would not be attending. So, right. Right. Whew, big sigh of relief on that one. Wow, wow. Dodge, dodge the bullet. Way to, way, way, to, way to stand your ground on that. 40, 40 Maui. I, I, I get that he lives in Maui, but damn, that's still impressive. For all four. Yeah, I mean... I mean, those tickets aren't cheap. Right. Like, But, I mean, maybe if you don't have to pay for a hotel, or well, I guess they had to pay for a hotel this week, but maybe in the previous years he didn't have to because he lives in Maui. But, yeah, man. But, That's... yeah, I, I think also they were kind of out there uh, doing some fundraising because they had um, shirts like uh, Lahaina Strong and things like that on the, that they were wearing. But, uh, yeah, that that is commitment. Yeah, so he's been to all of them. Um, going back to the – yeah, the, I mean – I would say the very first one about Virginia, but that was actually before the Maui Invitational actually started. That was the game that inspired say, hey, let's start doing a Maui Invitational. And yeah, Matt, Matt Norlander wrote a really great uh, article on that, the the Chaminade upset of Virginia, which generated the the Maui Invitational, which, like, 
I'm not saying that the Maui Invitational should stop, but this field was awesome, and these games were awesome, right? Like, narratively, even even the games that were quote-unquote blowouts, like, say, the Kansas-Marquette one, which we should probably pivot to, um, narratively, they were interesting. They were compelling games. Like, you know, for the 40th Maui Invitational, it feels it felt like it was kind of a culmination of, you know, this is the Maui Invitational, you know? Yeah, I mean, this one's going to be tough to top. I'm sure they will have other great fields other years. I mean, who knows? Next year, depending on how this year goes, Connecticut. Uh, next year they got Connecticut, Michigan State, North Carolina, Memphis. I forget who else is in next year. I just remember seeing those teams advertised. That's a pretty dang good field, too. Now, right. I don't think that's going to be 1, 2, 4, and 7 next year, but um, they'll, they'll always have a great field. But I think this this tournament will be the bar Um to measure future Maui Invitationals by. Now, now, I know there are some people who may have been disappointed that they didn't get a one-versus-two matchup of Purdue and Kansas, but I don't know how you could be disappointed watching the games. that I don't feel, Like, watching Purdue and Marquette, I don't think you feel you got cheated. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I maybe, certainly maybe. wasn't disappointed that Kansas and Purdue didn't play. Nor was I. Nor was I. I mean, as we kind of – I agree, maybe sh- – pivot to that uh, Kansas-Marquette game. And again, I mean, you can throw out other suggestions if you want, but as far as all-time regular season wins in Marquette history, this has got to be right at the top, if not number one, right? Because it's only the second time ever in the regular season that Marquette has beaten the number one team in the country. The only other time was just a few years ago when they beat uh, Villanova. That was, of course, a home game. There have also been some other – I think my good friend Brent Dooley chimed in, reminded – you know, when we were in college, Marquette beat number two Cincinnati, who was on a twenty-something game winning streak, but that was also at home. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm sure there have been other, plenty of other memorable wins in the regular season for Marquette, but that was pretty dang good. And, and like I told, I was talking to people uh, at the game, both uh, as we were walking out to the to the shuttles to go back to the hotel, and just at the hotel bar too. It's like it, it, the Kansas game had some vibes of that 3 Kentucky game. When yeah. in that, it's like, are are we really going to beat this team by this much? Are they ever going to make a run? And Kansas just never did. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the closest Kansas got at, at one point, I think Kansas got it within within eleven with uh, with something like you know seven or eight minutes to go enough to and and Marquette called a timeout. In fact, I remember um, and kind of, and, and got re regathered. You thought, Oh, here, here comes Kansas. This is what we're going to go. Uh, this is, this is where it turns into a dogfight. but it never really got there. And in fact, to me, this is the crazy thing. Like, we'll we'll talk about the game and, and the tactics or whatever, but like the crazy thing to me was Marquette beat Kansas so thoroughly that, that Bill self showed his belly with a minute and a half to go. Marquette was up or maybe it was even two minutes left. Marquette Marquette was up, I think, 12 or 13 with two minutes to go. And Bill Self pulled McCuller and Harris and Dickinson and went, and went all right, we're going to throw out, you know, so, some of the bench out there. And it's like, really? I mean, you're not totally out of this. So that was... That was remarkable, and that and that crowd. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, but on TV, that crowd seemed electric. Oh yeah, I mean Marquette fans were loving it because again, after after we survived the night before, um, it was kind of a house money feel of like, all right, now we got our right. shot at number one, and we not only have our shot, we're beating the crap out of them, and, and like I really think Kansas fans 
didn't really think they were going to lose, even when it was pretty clear that they were. <laughs> like, I, I forget exactly what the score was, but it was it was definitely at they kind of what you were talking about when Self had kind of pulled some of his guys out, and like Marquette was up um, probably you know twelve or something with like two minutes to go or something like that. Like the Kansas fans behind me, like a kid, somebody hit a three. It's like, man, if he keeps shooting, we're going to be all right. I'm like, buddy, he's going to need a lot more than that. <laughs> Right, like you're going to need the MTV five-point shot. Yeah, but you're going to need to make up 15 points here. Yeah, I, I remember thinking you got to make up 15 points in like five minutes. That's what, it was something like that. It's like, bro, you got to make up 15 points in five minutes. He better get really hot because I don't think I, I, I don't think it's happening for you, my guy. Uh, and I like so Kansas was, you know, they were the Kansas friends were still loud and begging for calls. I'm like, y'all, this is not Allen Fieldhouse. You're not getting the calls you want here. And I don't know if any whistle was going to save Kansas on that day. Marquette was better. Tip to buzzer. Yeah. There well, was, and, yeah. And, and I, I. Go ahead. No, I, and one thing that I thought would happen going in that really turned out to be true, they really kind of uh, took advantage of Hunter Dickinson pick and roll, especially late there in that second half. He was so gassed. Uh, like yeah. He did not want to get out there and guard Ben Gold shooting threes. Uh, and I think he lost Oso a few times on dribble drive. And I think Oso and Ben Gold smelled blood, and they went right after And anytime Furphy was on the floor, too, they went right after him and went straight to the basket. So Marquette saw holes in Kansas's defense and went right at them. Yeah, no, it was it was a well-played game and or a well-scouted game for Marquette. And and remarkable that they beat Kansas so soundly, shooting so horribly from 3. And that's a bit that's a bit of a uh, a bit of a recurring theme, but but Marquette shot 24% from 3. Like that's atrocious for Marquette. So, um yeah. it, it's it's not like, you know, Quite honestly, and I, I think Paint Touches, I think, said this uh, on Twitter or in one of our chats or whatever. Um, but if Marquette is shoes it, shooting, you know, at a three-point rate that is, you know, at or near average, like not even extraordinary, just reasonable, let's say at 30% instead of 24%, this turns into the Baylor game of last year, right? Like where Marquette's yep. up 25 or 30 points. That like so the the final score is almost not reflective of how well Marquette played because it's not like those were contested threes that Kansas blocked. Marquette was generating any shot it wanted at any point in the time, and and I know Kansas is a little bit young. They're rebuilding all that stuff, but they're still the number one team in the country. They still have outstanding talent, and Marquette was able to do whatever it is they wanted to do. That's remarkable. Yeah. They really did, and yeah, and I, I guess it's worth acknowledging that KJ Adams, one of their best player, was uh, playing with a heavy yeah. heart. He had lost his mom just a few days before, uh, so his mind was understandably maybe not totally in the game. But I, I can't say that's any close to the reason why Kansas lost. And maybe when that happens to a team, maybe it does affect the whole team. But again, Marquette just played better in just about every aspect <laughs> except three-point shooting but it didn't matter because right. I think they they guarded ferociously all game and they found holes in Kansas defense and picked them apart and yeah I think they were kind of in Kansas's heads and they wanted that game and they played like they wanted it and maybe Kansas just kind of assumed that they were going to be playing Purdue in two days but Marquette was having none of it just yeah pretty dumb 
dominant performance. By the way, uh, I'll give you my take on this from being there, but you probably got a better grasp on it seeing it on TV and hearing replays and stuff. The, the dust-up between Self and uh, Shaka. Oh, we need to talk about this. What, what, yeah. All right. Because, again, I'm in the arena, and I honestly, I like, I think after that, because uh, there was a foul on the floor and a timeout, and I, I, th- I must have looked at my phone or talked to the person next to me, and I looked up, and they were everybody was just, you know, nose to nose in the middle, and I was like, "Wait, what just caused that? Uh, what, what was it in your mind? Um, h- how that came together?" Yeah. So, and, and again, some of this is you know what Shaka said in post game, what saw in the replays, all that stuff. It looked like um, it looked like McCullough had been jawing all half with with the Marquette bench. And quite, you know, to be fair, Cam Jones, epic Marquette troll, well-known Marquette troll, was was kind of trolling the Kansas bench back. In fact, when he hit his, his second of two threes early in the game, um, I don't know if you saw this clip uh, on replay, but he literally shot the ball and turned around and looked at the Kansas bench, didn't even look at the ball going to the hoop. Um, I did see you that, know, yes. so. So I think there was some, I, I, I don't know, it, it clearly elevated beyond friendly, um, you know, kind of back and forth. But, but what it sounded like and what it seemed like on the, on the, on the replay, plus with what Shaka said in the postgame, it sounded like McCullough was drawing back and forth. Shaka knew him from when Shaka was in the Big 12 with, with Texas and McCullough was at Texas Tech. So they had some background in history. And McCullough must have hit, hit a three and, and either said something to Shaka or said something to his players. And Shaka took exception to that and, and kind of went back at McCullough. And then the Kansas bench got involved. So then Shaka went back at Kansas. And, you know, and it, and it sounds like, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this. I think maybe Shaka let Kansas get a little under his skin from his time when he was in the Big 12 and kind of let his cool, you know, fall by the side that he normally would have. Because this is not something we've seen out of Shock at Marquette at all, like where he's, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of, you know, angry with, with, uh, um, you know, a, another team or, or John or whatever. Because he was dropping F-bombs. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I, and like, I don't think we're... Uh... I don't think we're telling any secrets there because y'all can li- read lips when you're watching on TV, right? He, he, right. he uh, like McCullough definitely mother effed Shaka, and I think Shaka gave him a shut the f up right back. And, yeah. Um. So that doesn't bother me. Look, I'll say this: this can apply to Shaka or Bill Self or any coach. I have no problem with a coach defending his guy, defending his player, even if the player is in the wrong. Like, just right. defending his guy and standing up for his guy. And even if the player is in the wrong, maybe you go to somebody else and say, hey, stay away from my guy. He's my guy. You get away. And then maybe you turn to your player and say, look, dude, you need to chill. Okay, you need to chill. But um, that I think that's maybe where Self and his staff were coming from when they saw Shaka give him a shut the F up. And that's where Self and the staff said, no, you shut the F up. And maybe that... <laughs> That's maybe where it kind of started boiling over. Um, I think it's just a bunch of, you know, alpha dogs who were very heated and all wanted to win that game. And maybe some words were said that, yeah, just maybe lit those fuses a little bit. 
I it's just competitive juices. It's nothing personal. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I think they were I, maybe I a little know. hot after I, the game. I I, I, maybe, I feel I, like there's something something between self and Shaka because self after the game in his post game post game and I I wish I had it directly in front of me, but essentially said to the effect you know because self went second in the post game after after Shaka yes. went and said something to the effect of. Um, I'm not sure what he told you guys as to what went on, but um, whatever it is, it's, it's not, not accurate. accurate. <laughs> right, that's what he said. And so that was, for all intents and purposes, if I may put on my, you know, how Key and Peel had uh, Obama's anger translator, if I can put on my Bill Self coach speak translator, uh, saying, you know, whatever Shaka said was not accurate translates to that dude is lying about whatever it was and I have an issue with it. And and I think, again, I think Self and Shaka probably have some sort of beef from, from the big 12 days and it, Shaka let it get to him a little bit. And, you know, and, and so there's some, you know, maybe not unfriendly tensions, but there's definitely some tensions there. And, and even when the officials brought Shaka and Self together at midcourt, like on on the on the screen, I don't know if you could see this in the arena live, but it was clear that those two were not calming down with it. No, they weren't. Like I, I definitely saw Shaka still talking as they pulled him away. I definitely saw Bill Self self saying, "Unbelievable, unbelievable!" Yeah. Like, 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 like they're still talking. So yeah, maybe it, it, it maybe it, there is something personal there. So. Well, but, but I was, it is. so Shock. how did you feel in the moment? Like, did you, like, I was in a mo for a moment, I was concerned, oh, great, we've just fired Kansas up. Now they're going to come, come for our butts. I, it didn't seem to have an impact. We, we, we did fine, right? Like, you know, Kansas didn't even really make a run after that dust up. Marquette just kind of went back to what it was doing. But like, did, in that moment, did you feel a little bit like, oh man, let's not poke that bear. Not honestly, not really, because I thought Marquette was smoking them, and I like I and I just didn't think like I wanted to see some form of life from Kansas's team on the floor before I thought that was going to happen. Like if they had come out and gone on a nine zero run, then I thought okay, we're in big trouble. But they didn't do anything close to that, and uh, like I, I guess my only thought was, am I going to get in a fight with any Kansas fans around me? And I right. did. To be fair, all the fans there were. Pretty nice. Now the fans did not appreciate it. Uh, what was going on? I just like, dude, what started that? That's what I was asking the people around me. But um, nah, like I, I, I did not fear a run coming at that point. I, just, I, I guess my whole thought was, who was really in the wrong there, and how's it going to be covered uh, right. in the general media after the game? And I, I think most people covered it fairly, uh, saying, yeah, Shaka may have got a little hot there, but. Um, He's just sticking up for his guy and self sticking up for their guy. And Shaka is saying, hey, well, look, we're Marquette and we are not backing down from anybody. So if you want to come at us, we're going to come right back at you. He's not going to he's not going to say, oh, sorry, Coach Self. Excuse me, Coach Self. I'm sorry to offend you. No, he's right. not going to do that. Right. Well, and I mean, did you have any issue like and we're heavily speculating, right? But like even if we interpret the worst version of events in against Shaka, do you have any any issue with that? Because because I didn't. No, I really don't. Like, dude, if a player hits a shot and looks at me on my bench, and mother f's me, 
Dude, I'm gonna tell him to shut the f up. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. Right. I, I would have said scoreboard is what I would have said. Yeah, um, and I would have thrown yeah, in some f bombs around the scoreboard. But yes. Yeah. A- absolutely. Like, yeah, Shaka. I, I love the passion. I, I don't think it was untoward or unprofessional. I mean, it, and especially the fact that Self said what he said afterwards is like, okay, cool. Then, then, then I'm on board with everything because like it clearly bothered him enough that he yeah. effectively called Shaka a liar without knowing what Shaka said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that was funny. Yeah, it's like, I don't care what he said. It's I guarantee you it was inaccurate. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Yeah, what is cool. accurate? Marquette just smoked your team. That's yeah. what's accurate. Yeah. You know what's accurate? The scoreboard. Yeah. Totally accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, like, late in that game, uh, I'm definitely not one to instigate with fans around me. Like, like late in that game, Tyler threw up an air ball, and so the Kansas fans behind me were yelling air ball every time he got the ball for what the small amount of time that was left, like four minutes or whatever. So they're going air ball, air ball. I'm like, scoreboard, scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> guys, you, you guys are losing. You guys are losing bad. Right. <laughs> I, th- I think you can. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, some of the some of the Kansas fans in the hotel bar were not too thrilled with us, um, Marquette fans, as we were celebrating the win afterwards. I'll say that. Now, most of them were very nice, but, uh, it, you know, a funny thing about the hotel bar, they – they were not ready for drinkers the way we drink. Oh boy! <laughs> like they, they, oh boy! You know they, yeah, they, they uh, they're, they're like I don't know, like the post-game bar crowd, right? You, you know, you know the vibes that I'm talking about, right? Right. You, you want to go in, you want to get drinks, you want to mingle, you want to talk to people, you want to dap people up, you want to talk about the game, you want to like maybe throw out a few we are marquettes def some people definitely tried to get that going and with that hotel bar first of all they were saying well they, this was also the night before too but um they said well people are never in here this late do you guys want a table you want to sit down and be served like no we just guys want to stand around the bar and drink <laughs> right you uh, put on put on some bon jovi and uh let us talk and keep the miller lights coming yeah like it the uh like the night before at the UCLA game um we, we were all you know we were all jazzed up cuz we just won an emotional game and like there were definitely a couple Marquette fans getting a couple we are Marquettes going and like one of the servers uh at the bar he was like visibly annoyed He's like people are trying to have a nice dinner and bro, like this is like nine o'clock at night, nine thirty at night, or whatever time it was that we were back at the hotel. Um, like they, they were a little annoyed, but by our our rowdiness. Um, and then, like you know, the next night, the Kansas fans were there. Uh, there were a few Kansas fans. They were sitting down, and yes, a couple Marquette fans got a little tried to get a little. We are Marquettes going, and the Kansas fans came back with, "How many championships do you have? We have more championships." I'm like, all right, well, you don't have one this week. Um, Congratulations! That's that's yeah, past it, you. It, it it didn't get much more. Ten, it didn't really get any more intense beyond that. Just like somebody, like this, it was really just one Kansas fan just going, "We have more championships." And it was like, "Boo!" And she just sat down and just went went back to her meal or whatever. And then the rest, yeah, we just kind of drank the night away. But again, uh, that hotel bar is not used to the uh, all night mingling, socializing drinkers. Like we are, just they—they they, they want us to just you know kick back and have a nice dinner and order some mai tais, but get, get, no, get some we get some coconut shrimp and some mai tais, and, yeah, 
and just stare yes. off into the sunset, right? That's that's Buy what they're looking a nice, for. Buy yourself a nice $30 appetizer and a $12 beer and just enjoy yourself. But no, but we, we, we may do. Uh, after the Kansas game, but yeah, the I think the thing is the Kansas celebration was a little muted because I think we all knew we had to get up the next morning and get to the Purdue game. Um, right. So like there wasn't like a there wasn't like a huge rowdy party after the Kansas game, at least not one that I went to. Now, granted, like again, I wasn't with the Marquette booster package, so maybe there were some other parties elsewhere that I just didn't know about. Um, but uh, yeah, there were there were a handful of Marquette fans just drinking at the hotel bar because that's just the easiest thing to do, even though there were. Other bars from like walking distance away, it was just the easy thing to do is just go to the hotel bar. But yeah, the uh, the Kansas fans did not appreciate us that much. But it didn't get like intense, or you know, it's not like at a place like this you don't really have the meatball fans, right? Right. You, you have well, people who, uh, who, the, the the sticker price of getting out to uh, Oahu and going to the game is is going to keep those uh, the the rowdiest of yeah. rounds out. Egg, exactly, exactly. The, these are people who <laughs> put up quite a bit to be at this hotel and be at this tournament so there was always that perspective and I, I will say most almost every fan I ran into was very nice and very friendly but and even uh, the, even the next day there was a Kansas fan right behind me who was definitely rooting for Marquette for whatever reason he did not want Purdue to win that thing um, and he was just like he was clapping louder than I was for Marquette during that game. <laughs> and uh, you may have seen my beer chug on the Jumbotron during the Purdue game Oh, uh, I, I in fact video. did it is saved on my phone thank you Excellent, excellent. Uh, well, he he uh, he bought me my next beer after oh. after that. Wow! Yeah. He goes, All good right. job, man. He goes, good, yeah, good job, man. Next one's on me. I'm like, oh, appreciate you. Nice, nice. Well, I, I do have to ask before we move on to the Purdue game, how much did that victory over Kansas? You know, you and I are of a certain era, right? Uh, 2003 Final Four, Marquette against Kansas famously, you know, get blown out by Kansas, you know, the weekend after we had blown out number one, then Kentucky. Um, you know, we were feeling great going in that game, first five, ten minutes, held our own, and then the wheels f- fell off. And that was, I, I, you know, I, we've talked about it, but just one of the most heartbreaking, devastating losses in our Marquette fandom, right? How much does this victory over Kansas in the Maui, the stakes aren't the same, obviously. But how much does that kind of a little bit cleanse the palate for you? Honestly, not at all, because that result still is what it is. You know, like mm. w- w- they still eliminated us and ended the dream season. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's always nice to beat the number one team in the country, whether it's Kansas or anyone else. But it's not like, like it's not like I can go to a Kansas fan and be like, "Now in your face, got you back." No, they right. Like it's. 20 years later, it's like two totally different teams. There are players on this Marquette team that weren't born when that game happened. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah the, the freshmen on this team were not born when that game happened. So, yeah. Trey Norman um, was not born. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's not like it's, it's not a revenge thing, but like it was satisfying. It was extremely satisfying. But um, they'll always have, they'll always have that over us until we knock them out of an NCAA tournament game or a Final Four game or a national championship, something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's to me, it's no measure of payback. It's just it's just sweet to get one. Just, yeah. it, I, I don't I don't even know the last time Marquette beat Kansas. God, it was probably a long time ago. But yeah, um, well, I, I will say I will say this, though. I agree. It's probably it doesn't like it doesn't replace that. 
But I think for me, like I had a moment of clarity after the game where I kind of went, Marquette, and maybe not historically, not in a true blood, blue blood, but you know, if you're projecting and where where they are now, Marquette in this season should be on at least the same level as Kansas, right? I mean, depending on how the season goes and injuries and all that stuff, we're on par with Kansas this season. And there's no reason to say that we couldn't continue to be at or near the Kansas level for the foreseeable future, right? With the staff that we have in place, with the recruits coming in. So I, I think that's one of those things where where I kind of go, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't solve for the 2003 experience, but but maybe this is something we look back on and go, that's the moment when we knew Marquette was you know back back, right? Like when Marquette kind of found its way into the to the top 10 perennially. I'm not saying we're there yet. We got to do it for a little longer than a week. But but like, you know, when you start projecting, it's a potential we could look back and say, that's when we knew Marquette was going to be top 10 team for quite a while. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of echo what you said about on par with Kansas, we're better than Kansas right now. Right. I, I, I would run that back tomorrow and be confident Marquette wins. They like I there was nothing fluky or lucky or thanks to the officials about it. It was Marquette was better on that day. And I think they would be better in just about any gym except Allen Fieldhouse than Kansas. Um now going forward I, I, I don't know, just maybe, yeah. I mean the way Shaka is building this program and recruiting, yes, but Kansas is always gonna recruit a little better just because right. they are Kansas Jayhawks, and as long as Bill Self is there uh, and his boosters are there, um, that now can completely dodge anything the NCAA is going to throw at them. Um, Kansas is always going to be great. Now, will like I said, I, is Marquette going to be a top ten team indefinitely? I, I'm not going to go there, but I'm not going to say it's impossible either. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think that was a clear announcement that Marquette is legit this season and will be legit all season again barring injuries like you said uh, uh, major injuries can derail any team but um, I expect to be more I mean Ken Palm has Marquette favored let me see all but th- uh, three games uh, I guess the Villanova has shifted a little bit Mar- but Marquette is favored in every game the rest of the way except for three at Nova at Creighton at UConn that's it yep that's a lot of wins man yeah um, now Mar- Marquette's not going to be number one when the polls come out on Monday. We're recording this Sunday night. Uh, Marquette's probably going to be two or three. Whether it's two or three, four doesn't matter to me because all, all that matters is you're not number one, but you are a legit national national title contender. And they proved that. And to me, there was nothing fluky about that week that and, and that game. Yeah, no, not at all. And And I think that's the thing throughout the week, like, you know, in all three games, and and maybe we should we we should pivot to the Purdue game and talk about that a little bit because you know we we are going quite quite long on this pod as as we kind of assumed we would, but you know all three games, you know none of it was fluky, and in fact there are arguments that you know especially around the three point shooting, if Marquette shoots threes better in any one of those three games, UCLA isn't close. Kansas is just. A, a drubbing and the Purdue game, you know, Marquette probably wins that game. So like there, there's enough there this week that not only did Marquette play or, or was successful this week, 
they probably left a little bit on the table that says, hey, if you get a great game out of Marquette, they can literally beat anyone. Yeah, I think the fact that you drubbed Kansas and were within three points of Purdue tells you there's no there's no team out there that you're you're afraid of. There's no team right. like, oh well well we can't oh we can't beat Duke. Yeah we could. Could beat Duke, could beat Arizona, beat anybody. Absolutely anybody. There's no team could beat Connecticut. There's no team in the country that I would look at and say, okay, Marquette just can't beat them. Absolutely right. absolutely not. Marquette can beat any team in the country. Yep. Yep. Let that just sink beat, in a little just bit. Just did not Yeah, yeah. Just didn't beat Purdue in that championship game. And again, it, 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 it was a bummer to lose it, but I was not like it did not dampen my feeling of the week as a whole. And, you know, look, we, we, just to dive into that game a little bit, um, obviously Edie was dominant. And, and mm-hmm. you just got to tip your hat. He's the reigning national player of the year. He's great. Uh, foul situation was not in favor of Marquette at all. And, you know, one thing. Um, I was talking to people after the game, including uh, yeah, I saw Diener and uh, Dan Fitzgerald after the game. By the way, quite a few uh, former players were hanging around um, this week. Obviously, you guys all saw Dwayne Wade on television. Travis Diener was there. Was there? Steve Novak. Um, again, Dan Fitzgerald, Chris Grimm, uh, Cam Marotta the Grim was Reaper there. Was there? Oh man, he sure was. He was oh. there with his whole family. That's I didn't get a chance awesome. to speak to him. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to speak to Chris. I did, I've never actually met Chris, but uh, I, he was definitely there. Um, there's probably a few other players there that I'm forgetting. I just didn't get a chance to talk to. But those guys were all people I at least uh, saw or said hello to. Uh, and you know, I saw and again, I saw Diener and Fitzgerald in the lobby after the Purdue game. And they, they, I said the same th- same thing to both of them. They both were like, "Yeah." I said I would run that back tomorrow. Different gym, different officials, and I would feel pretty good about Marquette winning because yeah. it, the two things about Purdue: one, they shot absolutely ridiculously well from three, way yep. above their heads. Marquette shot way below their average, and it's also the officiating is like how the officials are going to view Edie. Right. Um, right. If you get officials that are really going to be hard on it, which Shaka was begging for, right? And that's what you got to do when you're a coach playing against Zach Eady. You have to beg for every foul you can get on Zach Eady and get him out of the game. But if you, if, but I also get from the perspective it's similar to when Shaquille O'Neal was playing. It's like if you call every time he touches somebody, he would have five fouls in five minutes. But right. like I think you do have to limit it because if he's fouling, he's fouling, and if he's like elbowing people and and taking extra steps, you got to call him. But uh, Zach was I mean Edie was able to kind of play his game, um, and Marquette got some three quick ones. Right, it was two very quick ones on Oso and one quick one. On, it was like ten minutes in, and we already had three yep. fouls between the two of them. So yep. that, that was really tough. Uh, and, and again, the three-point shooting just didn't go Marquette's way. And boy, that the rally in the second... The thing is, even though they were down 12 at the half, even after that miracle 72-footer fell, I was like, man, like, just give me the three-point shooting to flop. Maybe it's like that rim is the good rim and this rim is the bad rim and maybe we'll be shooting at the good rim this half. We may be able to chip away at this thing. And they did. Now, the three-point shooting may not have been the reason, but the you know, Purdue at least came back to the the middle, right? The things right. kind of evened out a little bit, and uh, Marquette just kept chipping away. They kept getting in the paint, doing what they do. Um, Gold and Oso were able to utilize almost all their fouls and keep getting in there, and they, uh, yeah, they, they chipped away. They played a great game. I was proud of the effort. I think everybody was just 
extremely proud of the effort and everything they gave to get all the way back in that game. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, I would run it back another gym, just just any other place other than Mackey Arena, uh, and I would feel pretty good about Marquette beating Purdue. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, and you don't even have to really squint. I mean, Purdue shot forty, essentially 48% from three. Marquette shot 29% from three. And Marquette lost by three, right? Like, you, you know, you have either of those go either direct, you know, in the, the positive direction for Marquette. Marquette wins. Um, you know, you had a ridiculous 72-footer um, that ended up being the margin of victory for Purdue. That doesn't go in. We're in overtime. Uh, you had the, uh, you know, and, and I think it was the right call to, to stay, but you had a three that, that Purdue hit as time expired on the shot clock and they reviewed it and, you know, said, oh, hey, it's it's out of his hand. Eh, on video, I could see it going either way. I was fine with, with leaving it stand. But if that call goes the other way, that shot doesn't go down. Marquette, you know, not only does the three not good, Marquette gets, you know, gets a possession and chance to score, whatever. You know, again, Marquette's tied. So it's not like you have to squint or, or imagine some extraordinary circumstances where Marquette is going into overtime against that team. And the other thing to really kind of call out, you know, Ken Palm splits um, games into quarters when you look at the, at the game summary. Marquette, for 30 out of the 40 minutes, was the better team, right? The, the, the second 10 minutes in the first half was where Purdue got, you know, got its big league, generated the 13-point differential in that, that second 10 minutes. Other than that, other, you know, and it's, it's easy to say that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But, you know, 30 out of the 40 minutes, Marquette was the better team. And, and, and you I know, think, Marquette, yeah. Marquette had a bad, unlucky 10 minutes. Yeah, I think you would say the same about last year's game in Mackey, except it was yes. a different ten minutes. It was the it was the last ten minutes when Purdue took over, where Marquette I think was better or at least as good as Purdue for three fourths of that game a year ago. Uh, but Zach Eady just kind of went off. He, now, I think that was a game where Eady actually did have foul trouble, and that was a big reason Marquette was able to hang with him um, and maybe and have a lead at that point. And I thought they were going to win that game, but Eady took over that game as well. It's He's 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 a great player. Just right. you got to just admit to tip it together. Like that's the reigning national player of the year. He played like it. He got his buckets. He got rebounds, including some really huge ones. And frustrated Oso Oso got that tough um, technical foul in the hook and hold. I yeah, think I was and, and should have been. And quite frankly, Cam Jones probably should have gotten a hook and hold too. Yeah, I, that, that's just frustration. It's like, dude, I'm trying to guard Godzilla here. Like, what else right. can I do? Like, please, like, please help me. Um, yeah, it, so th- that's just a weapon that Purdue has and no one else does. And, and and again, I think if Purdue and Marquette played ten times, I really think it goes five and five. Right. I, I think they're that close. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think the whole ED situation is is tough, right? Like, and for me, this is where I just wish there's consistency in the officiating, right? Like, if you're gonna let ED be physical, you know, if. If you're not going to call stuff because he's 7'4 and his elbow just naturally is at eye level with whoever's guarding him, you know, if you're not going to call that a foul, that that's fine. Then don't call that a foul. But you have to let the defender be equally as physical because, you know, that's that's how how this all works, right? And I and I think that's, 
you know, I, I don't get the sense that Marquette fans are like, oh, the officiating was bad or terrible or whatever. But I, I get that there's a little bit frustrating going against someone like Zach Eady, where everything looks like a foul. Um, you know, I, I just I think I think it's a matter of, you know, they they just had I don't think they played better than Marquette. I think they just had, you know, they had the ball go in the net and, you know, Marquette tried to do its thing and and you know, for the second half, for the most part, did it, right? Like I was convinced. I was even sending you texts, you know, with two or three minutes to go. I was utterly convinced we were winning that game. There was I was there too. was I- what? I was too. Yeah, when they got that close, like within within like five six points, I'm like, they've come this far, they're going to finish the job, and I really thought they were going to. Yeah. Well, and I even thought that Cam Jones, thirty five footer. I was shocked at how far off it was when it, you know, how how far it ended up being. But I I really thought Cam Jones was going to sink that to send it to overtime. I really did. Yo, Cam did too. Like, <laughs> yeah, thought, that's true. I, like he, yeah, like uh, you know. Uh, seeing the replay, I, I see Joplin like flailing and like dying for the ball, saying he really wanted it. But would he have made? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Cam did let it go a little early. But uh, yeah, when he let it go, it it did not look good from my angle. It's like, oh wow, that's that's a prayer. Um, but yeah, the 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 effort to battle back and really just uh, one thing that stu- jumped out to me just watching the game, Phil, was just their effort defensively to limit. Edie, and granted, he got 28 points. It's not like they shut him out or anything, but just coming up ways to force turnovers and prevent him from getting like 50 points. You right. know, they like they they switched a lot, and like there were so many times during the game where I'm looking in the paint and I'm like, oh my gosh, Zach's being guarded by Sean Jones or or, or Stevie, Stevie Mitchell, Mitchell or yeah, yeah, or or you know, uh, oh, it's like oh my gosh, Cam Jones is on him down there. What is happening? This is bad, but it wasn't bad. Because the way they switched and the way they defended, uh, they denied that entry pass, and then when they went back in there, then they doubled him again, and Oso got back. And um, you know, sometimes they made the play, sometimes they didn't. But it's like for all the times that Edie was matched up against the little guy, there were very few times that he turned that into an easy two points. Like right. they guarded extremely well. And a lot of times they, when he got that ball, they doubled him and like. Edie would do what he does as far as like hold the ball way above his head and like do that little pump fake thing he does as he looks around tries to figure out what he does next just get those hands in his face and get him to panic a little bit and they were able to force turnovers and that was a big reason they were able to kind of get back into it yeah yeah absolutely and and again you know Marquette wasn't panicked um it would have been easy to you know going down as big as they did you know down 10 going into halftime prayers are going or down 12 you know, prayers are going in, all that, all that sort of stuff. It would have been easy to just been like, eh, not our day. Edie's big. We got a lot of fouls. We're not going to make it. And and they fought like the Dickens to get back into that game. And 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 I think Shaka is undefeated in 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 second half adjustments, right? Like the just the changes in adjustments and approach um, that that Shaka and team make at halftime. I. It, it's just remarkable how effective that is in going, hey, this is what Purdue wants to do, or this is what Kansas wants to do. Okay, let's change it up. Let's go different, right? Um, there was even a couple of times where, you know, you know, as, as a result, I, I didn't, I couldn't believe that I would see this so early, but there was a, at one point, there was five or six minutes in the second half where the backcourt was Sean Jones and Tyler Kolek. 
I never could have imagined Sean Jones and Tyler Kolick playing together in the backcourt um, for significant extended minutes. Like that to me, you know, I, it's it's not an apt comparison, but like given the height and all that stuff, that's like Rousey and, and Howard kind of back in the day, both playing, you know, uh, guard spots at the same time defensively. And they made it work. Like they, yeah, they like, closed yeah. the lead. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's similar to that height-wise, but in almost no other way. Right, right, correct. <laughs> right, this, right. These because, things aren't anything other than they're the same heights. Yeah, because uh, as much as we loved Rousey and Howard, they together could not guard a bar stool. But right. when you get like when you get Jones and Kolick together, those guys guard. Now I'm not like like. Kolick may not be an elite defender, but he gives great effort defensively, and Sean Jones gives in outstanding effort defensively. So, like that is a pretty good to, to maybe even above average uh, defensive backcourt, and yeah, and they can also score and create buckets and get in the paint. So, yes, I I, I get what you're going because again, uh, Howard and Rousey together, yeah, they put up a lot of points. They bombed a lot of threes. But they also gave up a lot of twos on yes. the other end. Not so much. Not so much with uh, with with Sean and Tyler. And it works. Which which is I'm I'm great. I'm very glad to see Sean getting the minutes that he is because he's worked hard for him. And when he's out there, he makes good plays. And, and he he does a great job both either getting into the paint, finding ways to get to the basket. Again, he's only hit two threes all year, but they've both been huge. And uh, you know he is uh, not going to hurt you defensively because he he is so quick. He's so fast. He's not going to let anybody blow by him. Right. Well, and, and I got to say, and I'm glad we're talking about Sean Jones a little bit because – you know, I've I've been enthusiastic for him. He's had he had memorable moments last season, and he certainly was hurt for part of the season as well. But he's been a bit of a revelation um, early in this season. And again, not to to project too far ahead. And you can never say, oh, hey, whatever. We we lost an All American. We're fine. We'll reload. But I, you know, Sean Jones in what we've seen early. Um, when Tyler Kolick does does leave to whatever his next day destination is, whether it's you know whether it's the NBA or or you know Europe or whatever it may be, um, I am I, I I have to say I'm really comfortable with Sean Jones as the lead guard, right? Like it's he's totally different than than Tyler Kolick, right? He's not necessarily going to make all the same assists or, or have the same style or, or, or approach that Tyler does. But holy crap, does Sean Jones have his own his own vibe that, that I dig. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree 100% because I, I just love his effort and everything he brings. And uh, whenever it is his turn to be the lead guard at Marquette, I think he's going to do great. And he's doing well in his role right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, that's another example. Sean Jones got got 20 minutes in the in the Purdue game and you know was was part of the reason why they they field the run so again you you see um you know you see the the different um different approaches different styles different lineups we can address you know just about any any sort of way um a team wants to come at you and again you know i wish we had a touch more depth behind oso though ben gold was solid this tournament i think um, but you know, Oso was able to stand with Dickinson and Edie and uh, Bona. You're not going to see, you know, there's nobody 
no big man out there that's tougher or harder or worse than any of those three. And, and also weathered that storm and Ben Gold to a certain extent weathered that storm. So I, I think the big key takeaway is this, this once again reconfirms the big takeaway from Maui altogether is awesome experience, super fun, but this team can contend with anyone, period, full stop. Yeah, and I, I really think that's the bottom line and not much more needs to be said. Marquette has made its statement about what it is and what it can be this season. Um, again, we're recording this Sunday, so we'll see where they are in the AP poll on Monday. Should be two. I'm fine with three because whether you're two or three doesn't really matter to me, right? You, right. You, you're not num- either way, you're not number one, but you're also a top five team. So whatever it is. And the good news is Marquette will still have a chance to be number one at some point if they keep winning. Right. If if you look at the, again, looking at the Ken Palm projections for what it's worth, Marquette is not an underdog again until Tuesday, January 30th. That's a ways off. I'm not saying they can't lose a game between now and then because there are some tough opponents between now and then. But if hypothetically Marquette were to win all those games, maybe Purdue drops one at some point, then maybe you move on up. Right. It could still happen. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that says that Purdue has to stay at number one forever or, you know, Arizona is, you know, they might lose at some point, right? So Marquette is in that range where, again, the the schedule, the predictive analytics, all of that says Marquette is a really good team. I, I would just tell the fan base, like, I don't think there are a lot of doubters out there, but again... If you're waiting for a shoe to drop, if you're on pins and needles, like, let that baggage go, man. This is a great team. We have a finite amount of time with this team. Enjoy the hell out of it while we've got it. Because, you know, the season is, is you know, it's really short in relative terms. So, like, I, I, I can't, you know... I can't describe how much fun I had watching the Maui Invitational, and it's got to be way more exciting for for you in person. But like that was some of the most fun basketball and most enjoyment I've had watching Marquette basketball in like forever. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I'm going to comment on that in a minute, but I want a little fun thing I was looking up while you were talking. Guess who Purdue plays on December sixteenth? Uh, Kansas, Arizona. Oh, that's right. They do play Arizona. I knew that. Okay. So yeah. somebody, somebody's got to lose that game. <laughs> yeah, there will not be a tie. I promise you that. But again, but uh, again, to, back to like your comment. Yeah, I that uh, that is probably some of the most fun I have ever had watching Marquette basketball. Certainly in person. I'm trying to think when I've had more fun. in. I guess, yeah, only time I've had more fun in person was 2003 when I went to the Elite Eight and sweet, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games in Minneapolis and I saw them beat Pitt and Kentucky. Other than that I've probably never had more fun watching uh, watching Marquette but I will say I did have more fun outside of the games in Honolulu that I did in Minneapolis. Yeah. All respect D- very very different locales. Very different locales. Yes. yes. With all due respect, Minneapolis in March is not as nice as Honolulu in November or any month. <laughs> I was going to say, as Honolulu at any point, at any time in the calendar. Yeah, it, it is not. But um, I, I did want to say, though, uh, again, 
to all the Marquette fans who came up and said hello, uh, I appreciate it. It was good to make some friends and make some you know new contacts. And to everyone who uh, recognized me and said, "Hey, listen to the podcast," or you know, I got on the bus after the UCLA game, and uh, somebody's like, "Hey, you gonna do a podcast about this?" I'm like, "You're damn right, I'm gonna do a podcast about this, and tomorrow and the next day." So uh, everybody who said they appreciate the podcast, everybody who asked where Phil is, <laughs> you know, you were missed, Phil. That everyone oh, who saw me, like, they're like, "Hey." We- yeah, I'm like, hey, where's Phil? I'm like, no, nah, he's he's with family this week. But, yeah, we, I, uh, everyone who said hello. Popular belief, we are not joined at the hip. Yeah, yeah, we are sometimes, but uh, sometimes. no. Phil had a, a a lovely Thanksgiving holiday with his family, and I was out there uh, with you guys out there in Honolulu. Yeah, it was awesome, and, and just the the support, uh, the 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 fans were great. Again, there was a pretty loud Marquette contingent. Again, I would say Marquette was probably the third biggest fan base behind Kansas Purdue. Kansas Purdue traveled huge, um, but there were a lot of there was a lot of blue and gold there. Marquette blue and gold, and uh, yeah, it was just an amazing week, unforgettable experience. I don't know if I'll ever go back uh, for a Maui Invitational. I'll definitely never catch my guy Gary and reach 40 Maui Invitationals. That I can promise you, but um, I, I might go back for another one. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I this thing rotates, so Marquette probably won't be invited back for at least another four, five, six years or so. Um, but I'm sure Purdue, I'm sure Marquette will be invited back to the Maui Invitational. And the thing is, it may never be in Honolulu again. I hope it goes back to Maui, and Maui is able to rebuild and be as charming as as it once was, and they don't just you know build a bunch of. Uh, Corporate stuff along those beaches in Maui. I hope they, you know, bring back, keep some of the the local charm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for sure, 100%. Yeah, nothing against these places, but don't be replacing what burned down with a PF Chang's and a Cheesecake Factory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. With all due respect to those places, they're great, but um, that's not what I want to see on the beaches of Maui. Yeah, I agree, and and you know, I hope. Uh, you know, I hope we get to go and experience the true Maui Invitational at some point in time, right? Like go to Lahaina and and see it at the Civic yeah. Center, which is what twenty four hundred people versus uh, yeah. the the stadium you were in was what eight nine thousand. Yeah, I think about that. Yeah, I think maybe a little over nine thousand. And you know, somebody pointed out it was funny. Shaka has uh, reached the final of the Maui Invitational twice. He won it once with Texas, got to the final with Marquette, but he's never actually been to Maui. Because the time we went there with Texas, that was in uh, they, that was the COVID year when it was in Asheville. Oh, that's right. So, so yeah, Shaka has never actually coached a team in Maui. Hmm. I think hmm. He'll, hopefully he gets a chance. Chance. That would be will. nice. That would be nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's about all I got on this uh, Maui Invitational recap. Phil, is there anything else you want to go through? No, I mean, it feels like a lot. It's been over an hour of discussion, so I, I feel, feel your words have captivated me. I feel like I was already there. Yeah, it, it, again, it was beautiful. Uh, it, how, for those who've never, I've never been to Hawaii, um, and yeah, the beaches were amazing. Uh, the water was awesome, and I, I went around and did a bunch of sightseeing. I uh, went to Pearl Harbor. That was great. Um, played around a golf rained on me didn't even care it was still fine just gave me an excuse for my bad shots i just blamed the weather um uh, and yeah just absolutely pristine beaches and yeah i'd love to next time i go to hawaii it probably will not be for basketball but uh hawaii was pretty great but again the maui invitational made it pretty awesome so uh really enjoyed it and good now good. looking forward to the rest of the season for marquette basketball and uh 
Yeah, so I think we're going to kind of divide this up into two podcasts because usually we recap, like, look ahead to the week that's coming up, but I think we've talked long enough on this pod. So what we're probably going to do is going to record another podcast and drop that for you tomorrow as we look ahead to Southern and the Dirty Badgers of Madison. So I think that's about it for this pod, Phil. Any closing thoughts as we uh, wrap up our first podcast of the week? No, I, I'm just excited to uh, to see what this team can do. And, and we've got another test uh, coming up on Saturday. So we'll talk about that in the next pod. But uh, I'm glad you uh, had fun and, and made it back safely and excited to see what the rest of the season holds. All right, guys, thanks for checking in. As always, hit us up on Twitter or whatever social media platform you're on now. Uh, I'm Joe McCann 3. Phil is M-O-O-O-F 23. Uh, at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You go to cracksidewalks.com. We post podcasts there. Remember, to re- you can leave comments on the dot com. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Phil, we'll check in with you again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow it is. All right, till then, seashells and balloons, everybody.